We'll now hear from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, though faith are, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have to su- have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We're going to spend a little bit of time now reflecting together on that good news of the resurrection and the living hope that we have in Jesus because of it. Can I invite you to pray with me as we come to uh, reflect some more on God's word together? Heavenly Father, we do pray that this morning you will fill us with joy at the living hope in the resurrection of Jesus that we know can never perish, spoil or fade. And we ask that, that, that this will stay with us now and into the future as something that enables us to persevere with joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Where can you find hope for the future when the things around you seem uncertain and insecure? I reckon that's a question that more of us perhaps are asking given the things that have been going on around us lately, than perhaps we used to a few years ago. Things that we used to take for granted now seem that much more fragile, don't they, and and uncertain, whether it's peace or health or just being able to make plans for the future. How do you live with any kind of real hope for the future when the security of, of those things seems to be maybe evaporating around us? When peace gives way to war, when health gives way to sickness, when plans just have to keep changing and and lead way to disappointment and uncertainty. For many people, and perhaps for some of us, our hope for the future is maybe at a low ebb right now, both here and around the world. And yet, despite that, There are still people who seem to be able to behave like they have a hope that goes beyond the insecurity and the uncertainty that we are living in. For example, in Ukraine, reports are coming from Ukraine that despite the fragility of life and of the future that seems so uncertain for people there, that's left millions of refugees fleeing the country, and who can blame them? Despite that... There are Christians and whole churches who have chosen to stay so that they can care for the wounded and the displaced. Not because they have a death wish, 
but because they have something else. They have a hope for the future that is secure. Even in the uncertainty, even in the threat to life that they are experiencing all around them. Where does that hope come from? And that kind of hope has been going on for Christians for centuries, for millennia even. In, in the plagues, the pandemics of the Roman Empire, centuries and centuries ago, it was every man for themselves. People were fleeing the cities. They were even throwing their loved ones into the streets because of fear of catching the sickness that they had. But in that situation, the behaviour of Christians was so different, it came to the attention of emperors and historians alike, and it left its mark on history. Christians stayed and they cared for the sick and they saved lives, even sometimes at the cost of their own. Now, obviously, it's not just Christians who can behave in remarkable ways and do remarkable things in a crisis. But I want to suggest that we do uniquely have a secure hope for the future that can and should make a difference for us in the present, and particularly when the present feels insecure and uncertain. And that hope for the future began on that first Easter Sunday. I wonder if I could take you back with me in your minds to that first Easter Sunday morning and put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples before they had heard the news from the women who had come from the tomb and found it empty. Have you ever tried to imagine what life must have been like for the disciples in that moment? One word comes to my mind, hopeless. Now, in one day, everything that they had hoped about the future came crashing to an end. Their hopes died with Jesus on that Friday. The events of that Friday had shown the futility of all they had been looking forward to. They had pinned their hopes on Jesus. But now he had been arrested and led away by an armed guard, in chains, mocked, beaten and executed. That wasn't just some minor setback, you know, a need to recalibrate their expectations. For the disciples, the death of Jesus was the death of hope. There was no backup plan. Jesus wasn't leading some new movement that somebody else could come along and pick up and, and take that over where he left off. No, Jesus himself was the movement. Jesus was preaching himself and he told people to put their trust in him, to pin their hope on him. And if that was gone now, if he was gone, then it was hopeless. That's where the disciples were on that first weekend after the death of Jesus. Hopeless. They had a hope, but it seemed like that was a false, a false hope. That hope, as far as they knew, was lying cold in a tomb just about a kilometre away from where they were standing. For them, the death of Jesus was the death of hope. And perhaps none more so than for Peter. More than anyone else, Peter had professed his undying devotion and commitment to Jesus. And he had stuck around a little bit longer when things had gone crazy and Jesus had been arrested he kind of hovered at a distance. But from where Peter stood, 
the reality of Jesus' failure was becoming all too clear. And in the end, Peter denied even knowing Jesus rather than risk sharing that same fate with Jesus. And so again, you can imagine the hopelessness of that cold April morning 2,000 years ago as the sun began to rise. Sometimes the dawn of a new day brings new hope, but not this dawn, not this day, not yet anyway. Peter had every reason to be hopeless. For him, the death of Jesus was the death of hope. Now, with that in mind, compare that hopelessness with the words that Peter wrote that we just read a few years later. The hope that Peter now has, not because he's learned the power of positive thinking or he's been to counselling and learned to see that hopelessness in a new light. No, this same Peter can speak of hope now because something has changed. Something happened that has transformed reality to give real hope, living hope. Have a look at verse 3. He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That reality-changing event on that first Easter Sunday morning gave birth to a new hope because Jesus rose from the dead. The hope of Easter is a living hope because Jesus is living and he is the one that our hope is pinned on. He is the one that our hope is attached to. And just like before he died, Jesus calls us to put our trust in him to put our hope in him. For a moment, that hope seemed false, but now it is shown to be a secure and certain hope that cannot be taken away because Jesus is risen, never to die again. Everyone needs hope in one way or another. Without hope, life can be bleak, and I'm sure we know that. I'm not talking about kind of wishful thinking kind of hope. I'm talking about having some kind of positive expectation for the future, particularly when life is difficult. We need to be able to see through the difficulties towards something good, right? Otherwise, life can become unbearable. And I think that's one of the reasons why the slow drip of constant disruptions and changing plans and expectations from these last couple of years has been so difficult because it chips away at our confidence that we know what the future is going to be like, that we can have any kind of confidence about what's coming next, things that we used to take for granted. It's easier to put up with those difficulties in the present if we have some hope for the future. That's what hope is. It's being able to see something in the future that enables us to persevere in the present. But what we need is a hope that's not going to fail us, that's not going to disappoint us. Sometimes our hopes are shattered because they're shown to be insecure or false hopes from the beginning. And I suspect that most of us have experienced that in some way or another in these past couple of years. Hopes, plans, expectations 
that just weren't able to be fulfilled or that are no longer possible. And as I reflect on that, I find myself wondering whether that might actually have been helpful for some of us in some ways in stripping away some of those false or unreliable hopes that we've been holding on to and relying on. You know, hopes that are based on the next holiday that we're looking forward to or the comfortable and secure future that I was expecting to enjoy or just the confidence of assuming that I'm in control of what happens next in my life. Those things perhaps are not the secure hopes that we thought they were. Hope is good. We need hope. And people manage to find hope in all kinds of things. But we need a hope that is secure. And this is why the message of Easter is such good news. Because if your trust is in the risen Lord Jesus, then you have a hope that is secure and certain. As I said, sometimes we do use the word hope to mean an uncertain wish. You know, this is what I hope will happen. I hope it doesn't flood again soon. I hope I don't get sick. I hope the war in Ukraine ends soon and, and doesn't spread further, doesn't escalate. But Christian hope, the hope of Easter is not like that. It's not just saying this is what I hope will happen. Perhaps a better way to describe Christian hope is anticipation. Looking forward to something good in the future and because it's good, because it's worth looking forward to, it makes a difference now. It motivates me and encourages me to keep going. It's like the anticipation of eating chocolate is what motivates kids to go racing through the backyard on Easter morning. Any kids been doing that this morning? We're looking forward to it later today, yeah? That, that hope of the chocolatey goodness is what's motivating them. That's the future motivating them. That's, that's hope at work. Or for me, when I'm mowing the lawn and it's a scorching hot day and the sweat is pouring off me and mowing the lawn is the last thing that I want to be doing, but I know I've got a hope. It's a cold drink that's in the fridge waiting for me when I'm done. And the exhaustion and the heat and the sweat is just making the prospect of that drink that is waiting for me all that more appealing. That's what's driving me on. That's hope at work. Hope is something that we look forward to. We don't have it yet, but that doesn't make it any less real. And our hope in Jesus is a certain hope because it has already been secured when Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again. That's what changed everything for Peter. His life went from hopeless to filled with hope for no other reason than Jesus rose from the dead. And it fills him with joy. And he wants us to join him in that joy. Did you hear the excitement and the joy in his words? You know, filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, he says. That's because he knows the difference that Jesus makes. He knows the certainty of the future that Jesus has secured. And that future impacts on his present now. That's what hope does. And he also knows that it's a hope that cannot be spoiled. Yeah, sometimes the, the thing that we're looking forward to, it does come, but it's not as good as we were hoping it would be. 
like the hope for the weekend that keeps you going through a difficult week, but then you end up having to work through the weekend. Or rain spoils your plans, or you're sick or tired and can't enjoy what you were hoping for. But verse 4 here tells us that our hope will not disappoint because it can never perish, spoil or fade. And I wanted to spend a moment focusing on the second of those three words for a moment, that the inheritance that Jesus promises can never spoil. I'm sure you've all had that experience of finding a piece of fruit in the bottom of the fruit bowl that's been there a little bit too long. And at first it doesn't look any different to all the others, but then when you try and pick it up and your finger goes straight through it, then you know about it, that has spoiled. But this hope that doesn't spoil, is Peter is saying more than that. It's not just saying that it will last forever, although it will. It's saying that it is unspoiled by human corruption and the consequences of human behaviour. It's kind of more like talking about the unspoiled paradise of a tropical island that hasn't been spoiled by humans being there, by the pollution that humans can bring or by the obnoxious tourists with loud Hawaiian shirts on that spoil the paradise. The inheritance that Jesus has secured is unspoiled by human sin and its consequences. There is so much good in our world, but that goodness is spoiled. It's not what it should be. And I think at the moment we're pretty aware of that. But the Bible tells us that the problems in the world are not just out there or over there, they're in here. And because they're in here, they flow out into the world around us. And so our hope in Jesus is a hope for a future that is unspoiled by that, unspoiled by the ravages of sin. And Peter knows that is something worth rejoicing in. He knows the resurrection of Jesus secures forgiveness and freedom from the consequences of sin. And that's not just an abstract idea for Peter. Forgiveness is something that Peter is intimately familiar with. Again, casting his mind back to that first Easter morning, the morning of the resurrection, how could he help but remember his previous, his last encounter with Jesus on the night he was arrested, his failure to deliver on those bold promises that he had made, promises to stand with Jesus to the end. But the last Peter had seen of Jesus was when Jesus turned directly and looked at him as Peter denied even knowing him three times and abandoned Jesus to his fate alone. And so I can't help but notice that when Jesus sends a message to his disciples via those women who saw him first at the empty tomb, the message was, go and tell my disciples and Peter. What did that mean? Did that mean what it should have meant, that Jesus no longer considered Peter to be one of his disciples, that Peter had well and truly burned that bridge? No. The resurrection of Jesus brings the good news of forgiveness. And so what he meant was, go and tell my disciples, and yes, even Peter. Even Peter's denial and abandonment of Jesus 
could not spoil the hope that the resurrection of Jesus brings. The shame was gone, the guilt was gone. And when that hope is finally revealed at the return of Jesus, there will be zero consequences for his failure. That failure and every other one as well. And it can be the same for us. Because of Jesus, we can look forward to a future that is unspoiled by the consequences of sin. We already have that forgiveness if we trust in Jesus. That forgiveness is secure now and that is worth rejoicing in. But right now, we still sometimes have to live with the consequences of our sin. Like, for example, if you speak angry, harsh words to someone, you can be forgiven for that, but you may still have to live with the consequences of a damaged relationship that that causes. That's just one example, but that's true in a thousand other ways as well. We live in a world that is spoiled by the consequences of sin, our own sin and also that of others that hurts us. But what we look forward to is a life that is unspoiled by any of that, where forgiveness flows out into the reality of life around us, at the personal level in our interactions with people around us, at a global level where peace reigns, and even in nature itself will be freed from the corruption of sin that permeates every cell of our world. Jesus promises a future where the best things of this world seem pale in comparison to what will come. And it makes the worst things of this world bearable because we have that future to look forward to. This is the hope that the resurrection of Jesus brings. So can I ask you, do you have this hope? If you don't know this hope, then why not let this Easter be the one where the resurrection of Jesus becomes your hope, a hope that can never perish, spoil or fade. Jesus simply asks you to put your trust in him, in his death and his resurrection for you. That is the only place where hope is found. We know that we need hope, don't we? And yet most people look for hope in the wrong places, hopes that will perish, that will spoil, and that will fade. They are false hopes. And so Peter wants us to fix our eyes on this hope that is real and secure and certain. That's why he's reminding us of it, so that we see it all the more clearly and we hold on to it all the more firmly, particularly when things are hard. The hard stuff that we face in life, and perhaps particularly right now, is very real. In verse 6, it is called grief in all kinds of trials. It is real grief. They are real trials. But Jesus wants you to see and believe that these things are not the whole story, that they are not the end of the story. And we can know that for sure because everything did change when the sun rose on that first Easter morning. The tomb was empty and Jesus was risen. That hope is what 
enabled Christians in Ukraine to stay and to care for the sake of others. That hope is what enabled Christians of centuries past to care for the sick and dying when everyone else was abandoning them. And that hope is what can and must enable us to persevere, to keep going in loving others, in trusting God, and even to rejoice when things are hard. That's what hope does. That's what it did for Peter. And he wants it to do the same for us too. Let's pray that this Easter it will. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have not left us without real hope in this world, particularly when we know that all those other things that we might pin our hopes on are so uncertain. Yet we know that the resurrection of Jesus secures a hope that cannot perish, spoil or fade because it is a living hope attached to the living Lord Jesus. Father, fill our minds and our hearts with the reality of this good news. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we can know this hope all the more fully and all the more deeply. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.